the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I guess when you can command the creatures of the world and the very stars of space, you have a right to stand against anyone who would seek to undermine your sovereign authority. That's exactly what God does with Job today on Abounding Grace. Join us. Just when we think God might be unfair, when we find ourselves in that place where we begin to believe God doesn't know what he's doing, all we have to do is take a look at the latter chapters of Job, specifically here today in chapter 41, and be reminded again of just who God is, how great, sovereign, and grand he is to put us back in our place, which we need from time to time. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, our pastor here at Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. We would invite you to join us today as we continue our look at Job 41. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast. Let's go ahead and swim up to this sea monster and just poke him in the eye and see what happens. Well, that is what we do to the Lord, brothers and sisters, when we complain when we don't pray, when we get frustrated. Let me tell you what the Lord's antidote to this is. Psalm 62. Look at what our great God commands us to do in verse 8. Now, remember everything I've said about God. He is lofty and high. He sits alone in the circle of the earth. Nations are a drop in the bucket. It is pointless to resist him, to complain, to be so frustrated, to say that's not fair. Verse 8. And we could read the entire psalm, but just this one line here. Trust in him when at all times, ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Now you see at the beginning, Job knows this. But remember, God took everything away from Job. He even killed his children. Of course, Satan was the means, but God was still the one ultimately who did all of these things. He sent Job a disease that covered him with oozing boils, painful. And his wife said to him, curse God and just be done with it. And Job said, shut up, woman. Don't be one of those foolish women. Shall we receive good from the hand of the Lord and not evil? Naked I came into the world. Naked I will depart. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, Job was doing Psalm 62, 8. He realized, I must pour out my heart to the Lord. He alone is my refuge. There's nothing else I can do. Now, his sufferings have made him bitter at this point. He has somewhat lost hope. 
And the net result is that he has been insulting God. So God says, Job, let me remind you of Leviathan. So when you feel your heart is overwhelmed within you, when the burdens of life are great and you want to complain or you're tempted to complain, you're tempted to be frustrated, you're tempted to give up and despair, what does the Lord, the Mighty One, say to do? He says, pour out your heart to me. He says, when your heart is overwhelmed within, come to me, to the rock that is higher than you. Well, Job started out well, but he didn't stay there. He should have stayed there. Granted, we can fault him all day long, but I dare say most of us would have given up much earlier. But the great thing is, is that the Lord is calling him back to it. And I think he's calling the church as a whole back to it. We live in a culture that fosters discontentment, envy, contention, anger. And it's like an infection. It's like a bad computer problem that comes into our heart and our soul and makes us frustrated, peeved, morose, jaundiced. All of these modern psychosis that we label and drug when reality, the remedy is, God says, pour out your heart to me. Come to me. I'm the rock that is higher than you are. In verses 11 through 24, God gives a continued description of Leviathan. And I think these lines reveal God's mighty power. He says, in effect, Job, you should not demand an accounting from me. For everything under the whole heaven is mine. By the way, you need to meditate on that. Let's read it again. Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Now that's tough. Because we like to think, I own me. I own my body. I own my health. I own what I have. I own my cars. I own my home. I own my clothes. I even own my sense of worth. God says, everything under the whole of heaven is mine. So it may be that there are some reasons in our life when God just says, whammo, and we look around and we ask, why have I been struck with this disease? Why do I have to suffer this loss? Or why am, in the, am I in this sin that I just can't seem to shake off? I keep calling on the Lord. What is He doing? This just doesn't seem right. It's not fair. Why are my circumstances like this? We need to remember that we live in God's world and in God's house and he will always do good and right by us. So the remedy or the help he gives us is not to complain and be frustrated or think that he owes us something. It is to do as he says in verse 11, to just say, Lord, I am your servant. Do with me what you will. And especially since you purchased me with the blood of your son. Paul said in 
Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, we have been bought with a price. And we are not our own, my friends. Isn't it funny how free we can be with other people's mercy? Politicians are the masters of it. Can you imagine how freeing it is for us when we say, I can be free with this relationship from the standpoint of worry, grudges, frustration. Not because I don't care. Not because it's not important. But because God is ultimately the one who owns it. And if I'm seeking him and pouring out my heart to him, that is where my comfort lies It does not lie in any other man or any other woman. It doesn't lie in my parents or in my children. It lies in this heavy sense, this glorious sense that God owns everything and He can do with me, for me, and to me whatever He wishes and whatever He wishes is always good and merciful because He loves us all in His Son. Do you need proof of that? Beloved, all you have to do is look at the cross. By the way, this very argument is what Paul uses in Romans 8.32. Meditate on this one too. You might say, wow, you've been describing this absolute God. You might say that this is like a tyrant. He may zap me tomorrow without rhyme or reason, and what am I supposed to do about it? You know that's not how he treats his children. Romans 8.32 He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I asked you, have you ever gotten on your birthday that gift which was the big one? Whatever it was. And everyone knows that the big one is over in the corner. Now, it may be just a little box, but this has been your heart's desire for a long time. It's the big one, and everyone says, open this one, open this one. And you open it, and there's just a a Twinkie all wrapped up on the inside. And, and, And there's another little box inside, and in that box there's just a roll of lifesavers. And you're thinking, this is the worst birthday I've ever had. And then finally, you get to the big one. You see, God did it just the opposite. He gave us the magnificent gift first. He said, I give you my beloved son, the one who is my daily delight, rejoicing before me. And I'm not going to just give him to you. I'm going to slay him for your sake I'm going to thrust in the sword of my justice into his holy breast and cut down the shepherd of my people. I will strike him down so that all of my people will ever after know, wait a minute, the Father has already given me his Son. That is the greatest gift. Oh, he certainly gives me everything else, but everything else, however great it may be, is nothing. Nothing in comparison to the gift that God has given us in His Son. So we have tremendous, tremendous encouragement from the Lord to call upon Him and to trust Him. The Lord says to Job, now back in chapter 41, look at Leviathan more closely. 
What about his big mouth, his face? Can you uncover his face and put a bridle on him? Do you want to pry open his mouth? Verse 14, his teeth are pretty terrifying. His scales are tightly knit. They are so close together. Verse 16, no air is able to enter in. And then we get the big one. In verses 18 through 21, when he sneezes, fire comes out. Now, the other potential identification of Leviathan was a giant well and that this was just his blowhole. But I don't know about you. I've seen a well. And the water that came out didn't look like fire to me. It is very clear. Whatever natural or metaphorical explanation man may suggest for this fire-breathing dragon, and I will call him that, there is nothing to suggest that this sneezing fire is a whale spouting water, or even, as some have suggested, a crocodile, for when he lowers his eyes, they say they look like they are smoldering. No, this creature was able to breathe out fire. I don't know that this should surprise us terribly. Some plants spit poison needles and some insects, of course, spit poison as well. We simply do not know everything. It is completely reasonable. Not that God cares that I think it's reasonable, but that God would create a sea dragon of some sort where fiery breath reflects what? We'll turn over to Psalm 18. All of nature reveals the glory of God, my friends. So here is a great psalm. David here is praising the Lord for delivering him from his enemies. And I also think this is a messianic psalm for very obvious reasons, which you shall see as I hope you read through it later on. We can't do it today. We don't have enough time. But I want you to notice verse 6. To my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even to his ears. Then the earth trembled and shook. The foundation also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was angry. Then went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth and devoured. devoured. Coals were kindled by it. That is the description almost here of Leviathan. And he goes on here to talk about how God came and thundered, verse 13. Out of the heavens he sent out his arrows, verse 16. He sent from above and drew me out of many waters. You see, I think the fiery breath of Leviathan in some respects reflects God's fiery breath or his fiery living word. It kindles coals of fire. Isaiah says we should tremble before God's word. Do you tremble before God's word? Some men in the church and women fall asleep when God's word is preached and read. In some respect, it would be mercy for these creatures to be walking the earth today. So we would learn to tremble before God again instead of thinking that we understand everything. But God will test our faith before his written word to which we are to take heed as unto the lamp that shines in a dark place, as Peter said.
but learn from Leviathan to tremble before the voice of God, the everlasting burnings of his majesty. Notice the continued description, verse 22. His neck is as strong as Behemoth's tail. Remember Behemoth's tail? It stood straight like a tall cedar. If he gets into trouble in his deep sea haunts, he flips his neck and he is perfectly happy again. Verse 23, his skin is impenetrable. And verse 24, all of this makes his heart like a rock. Why is this? Because he fears nothing. Nothing. And since Leviathan is intended to reveal God's glory to us, we should be greatly encouraged by this picture here. Please listen. We live among shouting, screaming, scheming, thieving men. And some of what they do and threaten is a little bit scary to us. But we need to remember the comparison between God and Leviathan. Leviathan laughs. And what does Scripture say that God does? He laughs at the heathen. They do their worst, and he just chuckles. Let them do their worst. God is untouched. God says, I've created Leviathan to show how absolutely untouchable I am by all of the schemes and the wrath of men. In some respects, we might even say God's heart is rock hard in the sense of he is confident in his own strength. He's not impressed by man dust threatening him and scheming against him. We go terrified when men threaten to do this or that, but God just laughs. Next time you're outside working and you see a little ant go by and Unless you are one of those who picks up your skirt when you see an ant and you run into the house. Just remember, God holds all of the heathen, the scripture says, in derision. He just blows them aside and steps on them. And that is, of course, one of the reasons why they grow so furious and desperate when their schemes just can't succeed. Because we live again in God's world. All of their fiat money, their backward room globalism, their media lies, their political theater. These things are dangerous from our, our uh, perspective. But we must not consider them apart from our Lord. They are fulfilling His purposes. And no one can resist His will. And we are shielded by God's strength which is greater than that of any Leviathan or any cabal or any bully or anyone who threatens danger to you. We need to fear God. I don't want us to leave here today without emphasizing this. We need to apply this lesson from the lesser to the greater. As tremendous as Leviathan was, we must certainly fear the one who made Leviathan, right? All of his strength came from God. Leviathan's strength was as nothing in comparison to God's. Now the reason men are senseless to this is because God doesn't come breathing fire. He comes merciful. 
and he is long-suffering. He delays his judgments. He will have the world saved through the gospel of his son. But even so, one of the most common directives commanded in scripture is to fear God. And to fear God is to love him and adore him and reverence him. It is something like what Calvin said in the Institutes when he said, Even though there were no hell, yet we should dread offending him. The funny thing about it is, the closer a man walks with God, and you can always tell this, you can tell it in yourself, you can tell it in your children, the more he adores God. If you were best friends with, say, the president of Morocco, and maybe he drives around in a big stylish limo, and he has several big jeweled rings on his fingers, and he eats gourmet food five times a day. But if you hang out with him for very long, the grandeur would most likely wear off. Because you would know him in his bad moments and when he is frustrated. But it's not like that with God. The closer you are with him, the more you adore him and the more you reverence him, the less you want to sin against him. Young people, that is a good way to know what kind of influence the world is having on you. The more you are with certain groups of people, you can tell their influence on you, how you are talking, a little curse word coming out every now and then, an off-colored sensual joke, your eyes wander a bit more. Evil company corrupts good morals. We can always tell the effect company we keep has on our lives. We can always tell if we're walking closely with the Lord. And that's because we dread offending Him. We love Him. We want to serve Him. But again, speaking as creatures, we would kind of like it if we had Leviathan as a pet. Now, now, granted, no one can have Leviathan as a pet. That's the whole point of chapter 41. But imagine for a moment that you have a fire-breathing dragon, and it's not tame little Puff the Magic Dragon. But it condescended to live with you and, you dw and dwell with you, and you roll over in your bed, and ach, you hit the scales, and now you have this six-inch gash on your back. I wonder if he's about to sneeze. I, I better back away. All of this is lost on us, that we should fear the Lord. He draws close to us, and we draw close to him. But I wonder sometimes if part of our problem, part of my problem, is that I have imbibed too much American Christianity, which is an idol. It's not real. After all, God should be convenient, right? God should make your life comfortable, right? God has given us principles to live the American dream, right? After all, if you don't have enough money, you certainly don't have enough faith. And if you're sick, oh, you definitely don't have enough faith. What there's not much of in American Christianity is, let us have grace whereby we may serve God with reverence and with fear for our God is a consuming fire. He loves us. He's near to us. 
He's in covenant with us, but he does not exist as our personal lucky charm. He is God, and our place is to adore him and to trust him, no matter our situation. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. (music) 